I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Lloyd Nairota. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to check out part one of this conversation as it sets up what you'll hear in this follow-up. Again, it's the stories that Lloyd tells that offers so much insight and wisdom into the UMC's ministry in Zimbabwe. In this part of the conversation, we talk about the institution of the United Methodist Church and how it's experienced on the ground. We also discuss conversations taking place among African United Methodists regarding the future of our denomination. Even with breaking this interview up into two parts, there is so much that we left out. We really have so much to learn from our African siblings. And Lloyd is one of the folks who's helping us understand the gift that is United Methodism in Africa. So friends, you know what to do. Grab that notebook, that choice beverage, and let's listen to part two of my conversation with Lloyd Nairanto. So Lloyd, this podcast, uh, you know, it's about listening to the stories of folks who um, will possibly be on the floor of General Conference in 2024 or in the room, it, it, but it's about really listening to the stories that folks are bringing with them mm-hmm. as we make decisions about the future of the United Methodist Church. And so, that's where a lot of these conversations have really centered, particularly at um, a historical moment for our denomination. Um, at least it's historical for the U.S. Right. The passing of the traditional plan in February of 2019. And so what I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear personally, like what that the passing of the traditional plan might have meant for you. But I also wonder if you can kind of speak a little bit to the context in Zimbabwe and how maybe on the ground in Zimbabwe, did it matter (laughs) that the traditional plan passed? Um, We got riled up over here in the U.S. and a lot of things happened Um, as a result. It was a catalyst for a lot of things in the U.S. part of the church. But was it it just a normal February... (laughs) in Zimbabwe or or something more m- more something else yeah um i mean uh, i mean the long and short answer to to, to that uh derek about the passing of the traditional plan and all that at general conference what i can tell you is general conference is not a big deal for zimbabwe and united methodists it's only a big deal to the Zimbabwean political United Methodist. And generally, those are the general conference delegates. Mm-hmm. And across the country, there are about four of them. So whatever passed at general conference, yes, it's important, but uh, general conference reports 
in our annual conferences, I've been, I've been in ministry for over 30 years now. And for the past 33 years to be precise, I think I've only missed the two annual conference sessions. Actually, not two. I've only missed one annual conference session because the one I was trying to count is the second one I was attending virtually because it was both virtual and in person. And that was the last December one, which was called to be in person um, very urgently and I couldn't travel, but I joined online. So in I can tell you that in my 33 years of ministry in the United Methodist Church, both the years I was serving in Zimbabwe and this ecumenical appointment, I've only missed one annual conference, which I missed because there was a funeral in my wife's family that came when we were at the annual conference and then we had to leave and go to the funeral. That's the only annual conference I've missed. Now I can tell you that the, the general conference reports, are they come under special reports. And they rarely take 20 minutes. Hmm. I'm being generous with the time. Usually yeah. it's 10 minutes or less because that report is given. And then like this is what happens in general conference. Uh, pick one or two major issues if there was any. One or two major issues uh, that would affect the church in, in Zimbabwe. And then... Um, it's passed, it's gone. We are not voting to pass it or what. It's information. So it's special reports, it's information. So what happens to general conference? You have a very little influence on how we live our faith as United Methodist in Zimbabwe. That's one. Number two, uh, I'm going to be very generous with the numbers. Very generous. Generous. I can tell you probably only a quarter. I'm being generous. Only a quarter. I doubt if we get to that number. Only a quarter of the clergy in Zimbabwe have the book of discipline on their shelves. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm being generous. Mm -hmm. I'm being really, really generous. Mm -hmm. Only a, about a quarter or less of ordained clergy, I'm talking about elders in full connection, have the book of discipline in their shelves. The people who follow every book of discipline are people like me who, who just end up involved in all this mess of politics. <laughs> yeah. We are the ones who read the book of discipline. So, so now come the 2019 General Conference, there was something that happened with the 2019 General Conference. It was highly politicized. And it was politicized on the basis of the issue on homosexuality. And what people told the church, especially the political ones, the delegates mm -hmm. who were political, mm -hmm. and most of them, the delegates, who came to the 2019 General Conference from Zimbabwe, I can tell you, those were manipulated by WCA. Because hmm. one of them, of the clergy, is a, 
was in the WCA Council, one of the lay delegates is now a vice president. They are now all GMC people, as it were, if I would tell you. But they are failing to establish the GMC in Zimbabwe because they have got no following. Hmm. But they have been advocating, they have been talking. What they told the people was we're going to general conference to resolve the issue on homosexuality once and for all. So they came to general conference and they told people the traditional plan and nobody, and I can tell you, I can confirm this because I've checked, including the WCA council members, they did not read the traditional plan, what they were calling the, they only knew the way the traditional plan is against homosexuality. They did not read the one church plan because when you engage them, they cannot talk about the plans, but they were simply manipulated to be told this is dealing with the issue of homosexuality once and for all. Hmm. And when they come back home, that's what they presented. We voted for the traditional plan. Now the issue on homosexuality is over. We said homosexuality, no to it, which I can tell you majority if not majority, I would, I would be very general and say probably all of the people in the United Methodist in Zimbabwe would love that. Oh, now this is over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because homosexuality is not part of what we talk about in church. Yeah. The total sexuality issue in our cultural context is not issue for public debate. Right. Yeah. And I can tell you this, most of us Christians in Zimbabwe don't subscribe to homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the standard position, both culturally and our interpretation of the Bible is very, we are theologically conservative in, when you interpret scripture. We, we are in that school, that block. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That is those who, are, who do the theological work. But majority of our Christians, all they need is to hear how, what God has done in their lives, what Christ has done in their lives. That's all they want. That's all what people are after. Mm -hmm. So now I think those same problem, those some people, they face the problem when they now want to go back to people and say, or oh, the issue we said we resolved, we did not resolve it. Now, were you telling lies when you said you resolved it? Hmm. Hmm. Because you told us that we went to general conference and we brought the church. The homosexuals did not take the church. We brought it back. So we resolved this issue. That was the report. And people clapped the hands. Everybody was happy that now we are not going to hear about this anymore. But those same people, they try to continue talking about it. Something that was resolved at the general conference in 2019. Why are you still talking about it? I think that's the narrative that is giving some of these people who try to play around the politics. That is what is giving them problems and challenges. Wow. Boy, tell me this. Yeah, I definitely not to the same degree. Um, 
in the States, and, and I'm sure you've encountered this even in, in your ministry in Canada, like there are the individuals like you and I, who I have my book of discipline just right here. Um, we are deep in the weeds. Uh, and then there's like everybody else. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> There's everybody else who they they just want to be a part of a congregation, deepen their faith in Jesus Christ, transform the world through uh, you know w- works of piety and mercy. Right? Like there's everybody else, but you know the people like you and I, and, and I'm thinking about some of those folks even in Zimbabwe on the ground. Um, they really they really care about the institution um, and, and that, that passion for the institution is what drives sort of the, 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 the need to have a book of discipline at our fingertips and the need to be in this conversation. I guess my question is what, what does the institution of the UMC sort of mean if anything at all, to people in Zimbabwe, to United Methodists in Zimbabwe, is there, and you've said this, but I'm asking this question in this way, is there an appreciation for the connection and the, um, and I don't know exactly how appointments work in Zimbabwe, but the appointive process that uh, every congregation will have a pastor, that is at least the way it works for the most part in the U.S., um, is there appreciation for that kind of thing in Zimbabwe, or is it really just God has done incredible things through the United Methodist Church, and so it is branded on the hearts of Zimbabwean United Methodists? Okay, <laughs> there is great appreciation of the institution of the church, and now there are issues, critical issues, important issues you have raised in in this question, that even the people who are right in the village in their church under a tree, that's how they see the institution. Mm. Uh, Let me start with the the very first one, Mm -hmm. is the appointive system of the United Methodists. People know that we get a pastor. And Mm -hmm. people in the village, they they just wait and know the pastor will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when it's time for annual conferences, people appreciate. They know pastors come, pastors go, mm-hmm. and you know people receive pastors with gratitude. Derek, I showed up on my first appointment in 1990 when I started 13 August 1989. 18 August 1989, that August, I showed up at St. John's Mufakosi in Harare to understudy as a student pastor. And then in January 90, I was sent to, to Tandachikore to my 12 churches, which I grew to 16. Wow. When I showed up, Derek, I was 19. I had not turned 20. I turned 20 when I had already when I was already in the second. But people received me with grace and gratitude. Even the elderly people would say, this is what the church has given us. We have to make do with it. He's a teenager, but that's what the church has given us. 
That's the pastor we simply just have to follow because that's what the church has given us. This is the pastor that the church has given us. And we have a responsibility of taking care of the pastor as the pastor is shepherding us. Wow. I can tell you I made too many silly, stupid statements, sermons, behaviors, actions. But the churches I was pastoring, they were grateful and say, this is our... I sometimes think and see, I think when those old women, when they were going home, they were laughing and say, what was he trying to say? <laughs> and then probably they'll say, hey, you don't have to tell him that he is our pastor in mm. case he may get discouraged. Mm. Let's oh, wow. find ways. If this, I just think sometimes, you know, sometimes I've my sermons, I preached them. I go through them, I laugh at myself. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> yeah, because that was even before I received the very formal theological training. I was a a lay pastor then, a lay pastor. We, we used to call them lay pastors. We were even below the local pastor. We were lay pastors. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the church has the appreciation that the, the church, the institution, the bishop, the bishop will send us pastors. The district superintendent will send us pastors. And people appreciate that. Number two, there is something very strong, which is institutional, which is the mission stations, the mission mm -hmm. senders. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. all you have talked about, like all the entire mission in Zimbabwe, Nyadiri mission. I told you I was a pastor at Nyakatsapa mission, Murewa mission, Nyamzue, Mutambara mission, Marange. These are places that have transformed the lives that have been built by the institutional church. Because this is money that used to come from global missions to build this. And the missionaries who came, when people sing songs that were written by missionaries, written by Africans, translated from the hymn book, people see the institution church and they appreciate that. When mm -hmm. people send mm -hmm. their children to mission centers, when people who may never had a child going to university get a scholarship to send their child to Africa University, they, that's where they interact with the institutional church. And they appreciate and they like it. So that's our understanding of the church and yeah. the institutional church. It is on. So, when, and you know, what I've discovered with the, why ministry sometimes goes smooth in Zimbabwe. Our people have what we call trust. Hmm. Our United Methodist people in Zimbabwe trusted their clergy, trusted their district superintendents, trusted their bishops. So if the bishop says something to the church, people take it very serious. Very, very serious. If the district superintendent comes and says something to the church, people take it very, very serious. And when the pastor says something, people take it serious because 
they have that trust that these are the custodians of what makes us United Methodist. And that's how they connect with the institutional church. Lloyd, uh, one of the pieces of legislation that uh, is before the next general conference is the Christmas Covenant, and it speaks to regionalization um, throughout our denomination. It's, and it's a change of how we uh, talk about ourselves, how we structure ourselves. Just curious if you've got any thoughts on regionalization um, as an as a as an option for how the United Methodist Church globally exists. Um, any any thoughts you have on that? Uh, let me let me probably be honest and then put a disclaimer here, so that people understand that yeah, yeah. as I speak about the Christmas Covenant, mm -hmm. I'm so so biased because I'm one of the writers of that. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to put it up there so that people understand that uh, I would want to put that disclaimer. Uh, I mean, like, is it a disclaimer one? Full, uh, what do you call it? Total. Full disclosure? Self disclosure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah mm -hmm. So full disclosure, like, mm -hmm. so that people know that there is, uh, there is interest here. Yes. As yes. I speak about this, uh, I want it to be very clear. And you had asked about the protocol also in the previous question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, wh what, I tell, what I can tell you is these two legislations, people got to know about them in Zimbabwe. And my understanding is at the beginning, because of the, the political proponents, they, they were trying to frame these legislations around homosexuality and there has been that attempt and we have worked to kind of clear that mist and what happened is when the two legislations were still there i tell you our bishop did a good job bishop Nuatio. he did a good job he called me from the christmas covenant side and mr simon mafunda who is the WCA vice president now, to talk about the protocol. He had a clergy from Alabama, who is from Zimbabwe, who was supporting him. And the two of us, we were asked to make presentation to the leadership in the Zimbabwe Episcopal area about the two legislations. And we did those presentations. He, he I mean, Simon did a wonderful job describing how general conference works and all that and all that and then he talks about the protocol. He did a good job. He represented the protocol very well, and which I think his presentation was, was, was very clear and well articulated. And I then did the presentation on the Christmas Covenant. And there was a follow-up. Pat Miller presented again the second presentation that was specifically for the protocol. Then she did that. There was a promise that there will be a presentation on the Christmas Covenant, which did not, which has not been done yet. I'm not sure it's going to happen. So I can say the people in Zimbabwe have been, our bishop in Zimbabwe has given the people the opportunity to listen to the two legislations. But this is the understanding, the framework that came. The protocol was about dividing the church. 
and mm -hmm. give a certain group 25 million and start a new denomination. Most people in Zimbabwe were not interested in that. Mm. Yeah. Breaking our denomination and start a new denomination, that was not some. And that's when people begin to face the question, you say, and because they were saying, we, they were calling themselves, we, the traditionalists, we would get 25 million and start a new denomination. And the question was, but you told us you won in 2019. Why is this happening now? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. right now our church is very clear on the position on homosexuality. Why is this now? So there's been mm. that. And then we told the people that the Christmas covenant is looking on the future of the church. Mm. And there's quite some people who are resonating with that in Zimbabwe. The understanding that the regionalization, what the regionalization will bring is self-determination, is bringing equity, is focusing on the context, doing ministry within our context, and taking positions. Let's say the elephant in the room is always homosexuality. Taking positions that are in line with our culture, our national laws, and our interpretation of scripture. Mm -hmm. And we always tell people that interpretation of scripture first, culture and then national laws. Mm -hmm. But it is our interpretation of scripture that should lead us. So we make decisions based on this as a region in Africa. That means our position in Africa under this legislation of regionalization under the Christmas covenant. That means I would tell you the church in Zimbabwe will stand on the position that homosexuality is incompatible with the Christian teaching. That is our understanding and interpretation of scripture. And it's part of our culture. It's not something that is acceptable in our mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. It's part of our national laws. It's something that is not acceptable in our national laws. Mm -hmm. So we cannot mm -hmm. ordain gay clergy. We cannot do same-sex marriages in mm -hmm. our country. Mm -hmm. So in our country, yes, our culture does not accept that. Our understanding and interpretation of scripture leads us in that direction. And so regionalization will give us that. And that's how people are understanding. And that is how those of us who are proponents of regionalization are telling people, and that is the truth. Right, right. And that is the truth of regionalization. That is the truth. No one will be forced to do what they don't want to do. Yeah. We will stand with the church as we know it today and where we are. So that is uh, what I can say uh, on the understanding on regionalization and how people are looking at it and understanding. And I can tell you, majority of the people in Zimbabwe subscribe to that mm. because they love their church because of their experience and their journey. They frown at homosexuality. So they want to be in a united Methodist church in Zimbabwe that does not bless homosexuality. And that's where we as Zimbabweans are. And we want to be part of the global United Methodist because we can do mission 
and the ministry together. Like, you know, I've told you, I've talked about Africa University, I've talked about the mission centers, we've talked about orphanages that are supported through the institution. Right, right. I've talked about the friends I have brought from Union United Methodist Church in Irmo, South Carolina, that have given people in my village a church that is bigger than the one I was thinking about in 1978, mm. white with the black beachmen. It is still there, painted white <laughs> with the black beachmen, but we have built another big one there. I don't know what color it is going to be painted. <laughs> not painted yet. We'll be painting it in, in September when we go before it's dedicated. So it's up to the my dear pastor there, Reverend uh, Honesty Stolle, and his leadership will decide the car, the paint colors there. I would love it if they paint it white with the black beachmen, but that's secondary. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Lloyd, I also know that you're connected to the United Methodist Africa Forum. Um, and I'm just wondering if you see that as an opportunity to cast a uh, fresh vision of United Methodism on the African continent. Mm. <laughs> okay, yes, Derek. Uh, actually, I'm G I'm the, they elected me the general coordinator. So I'm basically the leader of the United Methodist Africa Forum. Uh, another full disclosure there. Um, so definitely when we gathered in Johannesburg, we had several questions we were asking before us. We went to Johannesburg. I can tell you, we went to Johannesburg without an agenda. Like we want this outcome. That was not the approach. The United Methodist Africa Forum was organized by Africans, both on the African continent and in the diaspora. But majority of them were Africans on the African continent. They organized the United Methodist Africa Forum. United Methodist Africa Forum was birthed after the realization that in the United Methodist, there was no more organized forum to bring African ideas in the United Methodist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was the Africa Initiative, but the Africa Initiative is bidding for the global Methodist now. Mm -hmm. They are controlled by the Wesleyan Covenant Association and Good News. They funded them. They tell them what to do. And they are talking about going to the Global Methodist. They are talking about they would go to the Global Methodist after General Conference 2024. Uh, they are waiting to create a ramp, an exit ramp. And they say their purpose, I'm saying what they have said, which is written in black and white. The Africa Initiative have said their purpose is to promote the protocol. That means to divide the United Methodists. So they are going to General Conference to try and resuscitate the protocol and create a, an exit ramp. That means they are exit ramp means leaving the United Methodist, mm -hmm. the global Methodist. Mm -hmm. When we realized that, then we wanted Africans 
who are United Methodist, who will stay in the United Methodist, who will grapple with the problems and challenges within the United Methodist and say, let's find a solution. So that's how the United Methodist Africa Forum came into being. When we gathered in Johannesburg, they adopted this slogan. We were, we are, we will always be United Methodist. So hmm. that's the position of the United Methodist Africa Forum. We were, we are, we will always be United Methodist. That was hmm. one position that was taken by the United Methodist Africa Forum. So we are saying, if you were, if you are, and you will be United Methodist in Africa, come in this forum and let us engage. And not only as Africans, let us engage with the connection of church with everybody. That is why in Johannesburg, we had observers who came from Europe, the Philippines, and the United States. And they were clearly observers. The way the room was set was classroom style. People were sitting delegates. All Africans were delegates. Africans were sitting. All non-Africans from Europe, America, and the Philippines, they were sitting in one row facing the delegates. And we told them, your duty is to pray for the delegates as they do their business. They rarely spoke. I can tell you they didn't speak. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Unless they were asked to speak. Unless the body, the Africans who were there, said would want to hear. Mm -hmm. And there mm -hmm. were a few of them whom we had requested to do presentations. And most of those who we asked to do presentations were staff from general agencies. What I can tell you what happened with the United Methodist Africa Forum, this was one place where we had African delegates, we had Americans, some caucuses in the, from the U.S. like BM, BMCR and Macha and uh, um, Pacific Islanders caucus, Native American caucus, NAFAM, they were in the same room, Western Methodist Justice Movement, and then general agencies, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. general secretaries and staff from general agencies, and the bishops all mm -hmm. in the same room. It was a mini general conference. <laughs> I had hoped to be there, but couldn't make it work. Uh. Yeah, so that's it. And the Africa, United Methodist Africa Forum made some very clear positions. The other position they made is we are not waiting for general conference. That oh. was very clear. Mm -hmm. We are not waiting for general conference for anything. Actually, this is the saying. They say if we, there is something we are waiting for is the coming and the return of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. We will not wait for general conference. General conference will come in 2024. We'll do general conference. Whatever general conference decides, if we don't like it, we will change it in 2028. Yeah. If we don't like it, 
we'll change it in 2032. Mm -hmm. So we don't wait for something that does not have a permanent life. General conference is temporary. Whatever general conference decides is temporary for four years. It can be changed. So we cannot wait for that. But we organized towards general conference and we made our positions. What is our positions? Number one, the United Methodist Africa Forum made it clear that we respect and we honor the African bishops as the leaders of the church in Africa. Something the other caucus always try to antagonize and pull down our bishops. We say we honor and respect our bishops and we support the African. We made it clear that we support the African bishops. But this is what came out of the discussion. The word support was said, how do we support the bishops? We said we will support the bishops by picking up the vision for the church that they give. We'll pick and run with it. If we don't agree with the bishops, we will engage with them in closed doors. Because we are Africans, our culture, you don't make an argument with your father in public. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. We can close doors and say to the bishops, what are, you, what are you saying? We are not understanding you. You are our leaders. And then they explain themselves. Then we, we as the children, we explain ourselves. And we say, you are our leaders, but probably you are not seeing this. This is what we are seeing. And then we have to agree there. And when we agree, when we come out, we are talking with one voice as the Africans. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean we are simply going to support everything they say. We say it's correct. It's correct. No. Engaging and critical discussion is part of supporting because when we criticize them, we make them better leaders. So we are supporting them by criticizing them because mm -hmm. we want them to be better leaders. Yeah. But we don't make them better leaders in public. We criticize them in, in the home so that when they go and meet with America, Europe, and the Philippines, they are better, they are sharpened because we have engaged with them, we have grilled each other. That's our definition of supporting our African bishops yeah. so that they can become the best they can be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we made that clear. Yeah. We, we made it clear that we support regionalization as United Methodist Africa Forum as it is in the Christmas Covenant. We know there are a number of proposals out there about regionalization, but we are saying the Christmas Covenant represents the regionalization that we think. And I can tell you, I was asked by the gathering to do a presentation on regionalization. And you know what they asked me to do? They say present the problems of regionalization. Mm. The presentation was mm. regionalization, the pros and cons. What are the problems with this? We want to know the problems. It's not a perfect legislation. What problems are we likely to face as Africa when we get into regionalization? And we talked about that. We showed what challenges may come. But after looking at all that, we say 
these challenges can can be dealt with but i think the pros are more important and then the board made a resolution to support regionalization and we supported the social principles the new global social principles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we felt they are more nimble and more global in nature there may be one or two phrases there that people have questions on but we looked at the bigger picture and say the whole thing the social principles is good we know there are some who are saying it's not clear on the definition on marriage i think that's something that can be dealt with it's just a word so we could not throw the whole thing based on a word that needs to be there right and then the gathering also said we we stand by the what is in the book of discipline the position on homosexuality um so i would i would say those are some of the major benchmarks of the united methodist church um united methodist africa forum but it's deliberate why we are a forum why we named it a forum not caucus not organization not initiative it's a forum it's deliberate we are saying here is a forum come we don't have to agree but we have to engage mm. what mm. happens after that we, we 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 make each other better if we engage yeah. so it's a forum where all united methodists the only thing we say is if we want to engage the first question you have to answer do you want to stay in the united methodist we are not saying it's perfect we are not saying it's not wrong it is bad let's say you think the united methodist is bad okay do you want to stay and make it better yes now let's engage that's why we are a forum but then if you say no the united methodist is bad it's not salvageable we have to form another denomination as umaf will not engage with you you go and form another denomination we will engage with every united methodist no matter where they come from we don't have to agree but we can engage lloyd do you have hope for the united methodist church oh yes uh, I can tell you there is a great future for the United Methodist. The United Methodist is going to be more vibrant. The United Methodist Church is going to grow. And the United Methodist has a great future. I can tell you. Let me tell you, in the African continent, the United Methodist is growing every day. In Zimbabwe, the United Methodist Church is growing every day. I can actually tell you that I have a vision of a more than a million United Methodist Church in Zimbabwe mm. in the next two, three, or four years. Oh, wow. The United Methodist will continue to grow. The United Methodist will thrive. I'm following what is happening in the United States. I'm following. I'm reading. I'm following most of the disaffiliations 
that are being written. But I can tell you this. There are more United Methodist churches that have been founded in areas where congregations have disaffiliated than the other denominations that have been founded in areas where the church have not disaffiliated. You get hmm. my point? Hmm. Where United Methodist congregations have disaffiliated, go independent and go GMC. What I'm following in the United States right now is new United Methodist congregations are being formed, are being chartered more than where disaffiliation fails and form a new congregation of the other denomination. I hear that, yeah, yeah. You see? Mm -hmm. So there is more United Methodism happening now. If there is a blessing, you people in the United States, God has given the United Methodist, the blessing that God has given in disaffiliation is a wake-up call. I think... There was mm. so much complacence that we are the Methodist. And you know, United Methodist was becoming like they're the only Methodist in the United States. They, they used to call themselves Methodist, Methodist. But now there is more, there is more demand to call yourself United Methodist. Something yeah. that people in the States had forgotten. People in the States had been calling themselves Methodist as if they were the only Methodist. People forget there was a free Methodist, there was yeah. Methodist couple, but United Methodist called themselves Methodist. They were the Methodist. Huh? Mm. But now it's more important to pronounce that I am United Methodist. Yeah. It's becoming more important. Mm -hmm. Now you are joining those of us from Zimbabwe and other parts of Africa who felt the importance of pronouncing United Methodist. So that's a wake-up call, which I think, look at that blessing. Look at that blessing. Probably, let's not only look on as if these disaffiliations are negative. I think this could be the persecution in Jerusalem, like you are staying here, get out of here and go <laughs> out there. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to go from Jerusalem to Samaria to mm -hmm. Antioch, the end of the world, but you are still staying here. Let persecution mm -hmm. happen. You dispense from here and then preach. This could be, it is not coming in the form of persecution, but it's coming in the form of being criticized, being labeled wrongly, being mm -hmm. called names, disinformation, disingenuous. You can name it all that calling our bishops' names and all that in the form of trying to attract people to leave the church. And I think that has been a wake-up call where God was saying, you are United Methodist, and there is a specific ministry for people called United Methodist that, that I want you to do. God has a task for us as United Methodists. Yeah. something that God wants us to accomplish in this world, and we are going for it. Wow. Lloyd Narota, I just uh, want to thank you for this interview. I want to thank you for your passion. And 
your understanding of who we are as United Methodists in multiple spaces. Um, grateful for your leadership and um, yeah, thanks again for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I thank you for inviting me and uh, I give thanks uh, for giving me the opportunity to share my faith journey and my love for the United Methodist Church. And I oh, am, and it's, it's clear. I, it's clear you love the United Methodist Church. Thank it's you. Clear. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.